Um, so let's jump into Joshua chapter 1. And you'll probably see where that story had relevance. But I'm going to read the whole chapter. Um, and then we'll explain it in a little more detail. So here's Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he'd said, the Lord God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You're to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he's done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then the answer Joshua Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you command them, they'll be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You may want to keep, if you've got your Bible or if you've got it on your phone, you may want to keep the passage up in front of you as we go through this. But there's a clear, repeated refrain in this passage. You heard it, right? Be strong and courageous. I'm going to give me a sec. This monitor's off. So we'll just do this. It only matters so that I can keep track of the time. Otherwise, you'll be here all day. Um, be strong and courageous is the command that comes four times through here. Christian did a great job as he walked us through uh, who we are as a church. We have three principles that guide the way we function as a church. Be true to Christ, be kind to people, be bold in mission. 
So when Joshua, when Joshua is telling the people, be strong and courageous, this is our call as a church. Be strong, courageous. Be bold in the mission of God. Be strong and courageous in the work that he is calling us to do. Um, be strong and courageous is, this is not the first time we've heard this. It's an instruction that God gave to Moses. It's an instruction that Moses has then passed on to Joshua and it's an instruction that God has now given to Joshua and then Joshua is now given to the people. So this is like third-hand information. Um, You've probably heard before, one of the most, it may be the most, uh, repeated command in the Bible is the command, do not be afraid. It comes up all the time. Do not be afraid. God is with you. Do not be afraid to do the things that God is calling you to do. If that is the most repeated command in Scripture, it's no surprise that to a leader of God's people, the command is given, you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to have some courage because you're going to have to lead the people in not being afraid. I love that this is a moment of passing on wisdom. Just as a side note, we all have things in our life that someone has passed on to us wisdom-wise. We all have things that we can point to that God has spoken directly to us about how we're supposed to live our lives, whether it's a favorite Bible verse, a life verse, uh, an instruction that some mentor would speak over and over again, something a pastor used to say all the time. God has imparted to you, just like Moses and Joshua, God has imparted into you lessons that are there to shape your life, but he's given them to you as deposits to be passed on to the people around you and the generation coming up after you. The the content that God gives us should never stop with us but always then be passed on to the people coming up. I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week, who are the people under you coming up after you who if I said to them, hey, tell me the phrase that Carlos always says. Tell me what Bob always says. Tell me the lesson that Mark always goes on about that God's imparted in his life. I should be able to look at the people following you and hear the wisdom that God has imparted into your life. And if I can't ask those people, then I gotta ask you, what are you doing with the stuff that God has given to you? Are you being obedient to pass it on? Be strong and courageous. You do not know what the person sitting next to you is dealing with. You don't know. Everybody is dealing with things in life. We are all given the command to be strong and courageous, but you don't necessarily know by looking at someone what it really means for them to be strong and courageous. For some people, strong and courageous is they're going to give up everything that's here in the comfortable West, and they're going to get on a plane, and they're going to give their life to a foreign mission field, uh, leaving behind friends and family and comfort. Uh, For some people, being strong and courageous is they're going to stand up in the face of persecution and advocate for God at the risk of their life. For some people, strong and courageous is the thing that gets them here in the morning. It could be the case that the person sitting next to you used every ounce of strength and courage they could muster to get out of bed and turn up to worship with us today. 
So when we're talking about a command that's threaded through here to be strong and courageous, I don't want us to assume that everybody's application of faith is going to look the same and that everybody today needs to give up everything and go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel. I want to acknowledge that some of you are exhibiting tremendous courage every time you wake up. Some of you exhibit tremendous courage every time you stand in a classroom and share something of your faith with kids that need to know it. Be strong and courageous. Um, The exhortation appears in this passage four times. And I think really what the passage does is gives us four different reasons why as we walk in the world today, we can be strong and courageous in the work that God has called us to. I think there's four clear reasons here that we as Arise Church trying to figure out the mission of God here in this part of the world. What are the four reasons that give us the strength and the courage to effectively do what he's calling us to do? So we're going to look at these one at a time. The first one is this. The first reason they give is the faithfulness of God's promises. It begins in verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. This instruction to lead the people into the promised land is the continuation of promise after promise after promise that God has already given. God is trying to help Joshua understand that the strength and courage to do what is about to happen comes from the words that I've already given and the promises that I've already made. Why does leading people into the promised land require strength and courage? And why did Moses feel as he was passing kind of the end goal like the end of the process, Moses has led them. Now it's just like cross them into the promised land. Why did God think Moses needed to hear, be strong and courageous at this point in the journey? Because you know how Israel treated Moses, right? You know how wonderfully obedient they were. Uh, how beautifully submissive their hearts were. How selfless and self-denying they were. Um, Moses understood that leading people in the things of God is hard work. Uh, And and so the promise was passed on or the instruction was passed on, be strong and courageous. You're going to lead these people, but you're going to have to use every ounce of strength in your body to cling to those promises because I can pretty much guarantee these people aren't going to do it quite the way you're hoping, despite what they say at the end of the passage, which we'll get to. Um, Look at some of the promise wording that's threaded just through chapter one that gives strength and courage to Joshua to lead. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse five, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Verse 11, take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving you for your own. Verse 13 and 15, the Lord will give you rest. So cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites and help them until the Lord gives them rest. Joshua has a beautiful job. Lead the people into the promised land to do what I've already promised and demonstrated that I'm gonna do. 
And I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget as Christians that are called to go and make disciples of all nations. We're called to preach the gospel to people that don't have it. We're called to forgive and to reconcile and to love and to give generously. We're called to stand uh, in the the, the face of persecution and, and be given the boldness to speak. We're called to leave behind family and possessions and our country and go to the ends of the earth. We forget that when God calls us to do those things, he has already promised to see them through to completion. He says, I've already begun a good work in you and I will see it through until its completion. He's told us the harvest is plentiful. Ask me to send out laborers. He said, ask and I'll give it to you. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and find. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. If you go to those situations, pray that the gospel goes forth boldly. I will give you the words to say. He says, I'll send you not just with words, but with power. When God calls us to do his work, his promise backs up the work that he's called us to do. I can't help but look at these passages and wonder. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I don't want to take scripture too literally, but I do find myself reading a passage like this where God is looking at Joshua before they cross into the promised land saying, I've given you this promise of conquering the nation round about you. And when you go in that place, I will give you everywhere that you set your foot. Now, if someone said to you today, I will give you land in Hillsborough to own for free, just go on wherever you set your foot is gonna be yours. How many people are gonna stay sitting in your seat? I think most of us are gonna go out there and try and run as big and as far as we can and get as much land for ourselves as possible. I find myself thinking about what it looks like in our journey as Christians, and I think about things like prayer walking. What if God will give us the souls of every person whose house we walk in front of in prayer? What if God will give us the schools that we walk around in prayer? What if God will remove uh, businesses that dishonor him if as a church we claim that ground by walking and praying and seeking him? What if it's true that God wants to give you everywhere that you set your foot? So every home you've walked in, every shop that you've walked in, every workplace that you enter, what if those are places where God wants to give you ground and give you souls if you'll stand on his promises? They have to do a little bit more in the story than just walk there. They have work to do when they get there. They have battles to fight in that place. But what if, as a church, God is saying to us, arise, church, I will give you everywhere that you set your feet. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go walk? What are you going to claim? I think of the promise. The Lord will give you rest. Jesus says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 116, the psalmist is talking to himself, return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has been good to me. That promise of rest is still for us today. What if? 
Being strong and courageous means walking through some of the difficult things in your life, some of the pain, some of the trauma, some of the bitterness, some of the unforgiveness in order to experience the rest on the other side of it that God has for you. Are you willing to put your feet there? Are you willing to do the hard work to get the rest that he promises us? Be strong and courageous because God has promised. He's promised us victory. He's promised us salvation. He's promised us transformation if we submit ourselves to his spirit. He doesn't promise an easy life. He doesn't promise a pain-free life, but he promises to be with us in every moment of pain, in every moment of heartache, in every moment of confusion. So we can go, we can run and not grow weary. We can be strong and courageous as we stand on his promises. The second time we see the exhortation and the second reason for our courage comes from putting the word into practice. Be strong and very courageous. Why does it require more courage to obey the law than it does to go into enemy territory and defeat a conquering army? (laughs) I think he understands what's going on in the human heart. Be strong and very courageous courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is clearly the part where I was sitting in the courtroom thinking about the role of the the judge as he's explaining to us what his job is. My job is to know the law. My job is to assume that you don't know it and to explain to you what the law is and how you judge whether someone is living accurately or not according to the law. My job is to understand the procedures of this court or this kingdom And help explain to you what is appropriate and what is not as you strive to live alongside the law. We have courage that comes from knowing the word of God. We can't know his promises without knowing his word. But there's a confidence that comes as we trust him and as we steep in what it is he says. As we understand again his character that we know he's faithful, that we know he's powerful, that we know that he loves us, that we know that he always keeps his promises. There's confidence that comes in those things. There's confidence that comes from seeing the standards that he lays out and when he says the prayers of a righteous person are answered, there's a confidence that comes when we go, I know the word. I know that I'm doing my best to live according to it. I know that in the ways that I fall short, that if I confess, he's faithful and just then, and he forgives me. I know that when he looks at me, he sees Jesus and imparts his righteousness to me. I know when he looks at me, he's given me the spirit, and the spirit is transforming me. So I have confidence that the righteousness of Jesus is in me, and if I'm keeping short accounts and confessing my sins, my prayers will be answered. Therefore, I can be strong and courageous in the ways that I pray. We have a job uh, in this world to make disciples of all nations. We share the gospel, we baptize them, and then we teach them to obey everything that he's commanded. We can't teach people to obey what we don't know. So we need to know the word to help people understand what it looks like to obey it. And if you're here and you've walked with Jesus for 70 years and you read the Bible every single day and you know it, 
Are you aware of your unconscious biases? Are you still studying it and reading perspectives that don't match yours to double check that you're actually honoring the word of God and not just the tradition that was passed down to you? Are you making sure that this little verse over here that you're hanging your hat on that seems out of sync with the rest of the character of God, are you willing to wrestle with this passage and see how it fits in with the bigger picture of Scripture? so that we can then make sure we're passing on to the generation under us an accurate depiction of what it looks like to practice the word of God. The job of the judge in the courtroom was to explain to us, here's the charges. Here's what every word in those charges mean. Here's when they've transcended it. Here's when it isn't. The job of the prosecution was to help us see this was the charge. This is the evidence of how they broke it. This is the other charge. This is the evidence of how they broke it. This is our job as leaders in the kingdom of God. We're supposed to know the word and help the world around us know how to live it. We're to help them understand the character of the God who loves them. And, and why so that they can be successful wherever they go. There's some, int- the, the words in here for prosperous and successful, we see prosperous and we usually think like material success. These words really, like the word prosper is to push forward, to break out, to have victory. The word that's translated successful, to have insight, to act wisely, to guide wittingly. Having our life grounded in God's word, having disciplines of study and reflection make us the kind of people who can see victory as we press into the things of God. They can help us guide other people wisely and wittingly into the things that he's calling us to do. Look at this uh, broken up just, just a little more here. The success of our church always, do you wanna go to the next slide, Victor? The success of our church always is dependent on the degree to which we follow his word. Look at this. We've got to have God's word in our intention. Be careful to obey the law. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. We need messages all the time that remind us of this basic thing. We need to be daily saturated in the word of God. Why do we need the reminders? Because it is so easy to allow that to slip. Why is it so easy to pull out a phone and scroll through an app, pick up a book and read fiction, turn on the TV and binge watch a show? Why is that so much easier than picking up your Bible and receiving the word of life that transforms and revives our soul? Why is it so much easier? We need a reminder. So today, for some of you in the room, you have to set your intention today. When I leave here, I'm reaffirming the intention to have daily practices that keep me in the word of God. Joshua was to have his intention set on obedience. Then it said he was to keep the book of the law always on his lips. Your words should be seasoned by the the word of God. I remember um, a funeral I went to years and years ago down in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it was uh, a friend's pastor's dad as convoluted as it gets. I didn't know the guy, I knew my friend, and I knew his pastor, I didn't know the dad. Um, Sorry, it was his mom, the dad was there, it was the mom that had passed. So I'm down with my friend, and it's like, hey, we're going to this funeral, you need to come. So I go to the funeral, and then we go back to this man's house who's just lost his wife, and I remember sitting in the house, and there's a baby grand piano in the corner, and uh, 
And I kept looking over it, and he's like, do you play? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So he's like, oh, my wife is the pianist, and I don't get to hear her. Would you play the piano? So I'm sitting playing the piano. And I, I just remember this really sweet moment in their house with this complete stranger. But the thing that impressed me the most, he'd been a lifelong pastor. The thing that impressed me the most was as he talked about the grief, about the loss, about his hope, do you want some tea? Do you want coffee? Do you want... Every word that came out of his mouth was the word of God or a hymn. And not like the cheesy, like, oh, all things work for the good of those who love him. Not like trite. But as he's talking, he's like, oh, I'm grieving. Oh, my soul calls out, cries out to the Lord. Why? feel like you've forsaken me. Oh, but God, thank you that you're my comforter in times of trouble. It is well with my soul. There's a resurrection. There's a day coming. And I'm just like, I was just listening to him, having conversation. He wasn't preaching. He was just talking. This is what it looks like to keep this book of the law always on your lips. Most of the sin that we engage in happens when we open our mouths. If you assess what you say in a day, the majority of what we say is not true. We exaggerate. We stretch, we rehash old things that are slanderous and inaccurate. We perpetuate what we hear other people saying that is fabricated. If we keep the book of the law always before us, if we set our intention to not turn from the left or the right, the accuracy of our words increases. It's little wonder that the psalmist said, so I'll let my words be few. So we set our intention, we let it season our words, meditate on it day and night. It needs to consume our thoughts. You know, there's, there's the debate that exists in the church. You've probably been part of it at some point. Should devotions happen at five in the morning or before you go to bed at night, right? You know this debate, right? Is, is, is devotion, does it honor God more when you do it the first thing in the morning? But I'm not a morning person, so nighttime is better. This says day and night, so you're all wrong. <laughs> and when he says day and night, he's not even talking about just the morning and the evening. This, like, as a figure of speech, they call it merism. So it's like they use the start and the end, and they mean everything in between. Meditate on the word of God constantly. We have lost in the church today the discipline of memorizing scripture. And when you start memorizing scripture, not just like I'm gonna memorize one verse, I'm gonna memorize a book of the Bible. And you meditate day and night on the words and all day long you're thinking about the passage and chewing on it and then you get into a conversation with someone, hey, I'm just thinking about this thing in scripture today and I don't understand this word. What do you think this means? And it ends up before us. We need to have it, our intentions set on it, our words seasoned by it, our thoughts filled with it so that you may be careful to do everything written in it so that our actions follow suit and do the things that it's supposed to and then there's a result. Then you will be prosperous and successful in the things that you wanna do. What are the things right now that you want to prosper and be successful in? What if the way to get there is to keep the word of God always before you, to meditate on it day and night, and to set your actions to align with it? What if that is gonna give you the thing that you're longing for?
And if you go, well, actually, I don't think I'll get it if I do that, then the thing you're longing for is probably not something you should be longing for. We have confidence when we know his word, when we know what he requires of us, when we understand the character behind us, behind him, and when we put it into practice. Third reason that the passage gives us to be strong and courageous, which is the one that we love and we talk about it a lot. Verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. He's with us wherever we go. You scan through the chapter, there's more. Verse five, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 17, as the people look at Joshua in this new leadership, what's their prayer for him? May the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. His presence Our strength and our confidence come from knowing that he is present with us, in us, around us. There's confidence that comes from knowing that as we gather as believers, his presence shows up in a special way when we are gathered as a group. We can go into the darkest parts of the world and we don't have to wonder if his presence is gonna be there. His presence is with us. I sat in that courtroom listening to evidence going, God, I need help. I need wisdom to make a right decision. Someone's future is dependent on a decision that me and five strangers are gonna make together. I need wisdom. They need wisdom. Guide us. But I knew God's presence was there because God goes with me wherever I go. And that includes into the darkest recesses of your heart. It includes the biggest traumas that you have experienced. It includes the unreconciled relationships. God goes with us into all of those places. I want us to be a church that is marked by the presence of God. It fills me with so much joy when I meet new people as you arrive into the church and people will come and say to me, I just feel like God's presence is here. Something is stirring here, it's captivating. I'm like, when that stops, my, I'm gone. You need someone else, right? My job is to know the law, to guide us in it, to keep it it before us, to help us align ourselves with it so that we can continue to sense and experience and respond to his presence as it moves here in our midst. His presence is assured. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach them to be everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He will never leave. He will never forsake you. And I know there's people in the room. You you might be in a season right now. You might have gone through a season recently. You might be walking with people in a season where they feel completely forsaken by God. Perhaps you're in a season where it feels like God is just distant. I don't feel him. I don't hear him. I don't sense him. I promise you, with the authority of the word of God behind it, God doesn't leave us. But sometimes we lose sight or lose the ability to sense where he is in that moment. So we cling to the promise that he is present. 
And we ask him to give us the eyes to see where and how. And we cling with strength and courage that he's here and he will see things through in a way that eh, glorifies him and refines us. The last reason for strength and courage comes right at the end as you see the reaction of God's people. So I would say a reason for strength and courage and the work that God is calling us to do is when we see God's people invested. What's happened to this in the story, there's 12 tribes, they've been wandering around the wilderness, they're getting close to the Jordan, there's some really nice land on the east of the Jordan, and so part of the tribes have said, we like this land, let's stay here. And Moses says, you can have that land on the condition that it's not like we've done the easy job, so now the rest of them can go take the bigger chunk of land. So he's like, you can have this land on the condition that you promise as we cross into the Jordan that you will leave your land behind and you will play a part in conquering the land that is there in order that everybody can have the rest that's promised to them. And once the job is done, you're free to go back and rest in the land that he's given you. And then they say to Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. The irony in the next line, right? Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I wonder if he rolled his eyes or if he fell on his knees and pulled his hair out or if it was, uh, maybe, maybe he's an eternal optimist and he's like, okay, God, they're gonna get it right this time. Only may the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. Can you imagine saying this line as a member of our church walking into the future? Whoever rebels against his word and doesn't obey it, whatever the pastor commands them should be put to death. <laughs> they, they, they have some contingencies they are a lot nicer than what we have today. Now, <laughs> um, only be strong and courageous. There's a courage that comes when God's people commit to do the things that God has asked us to do. There's a courage I have as a leader that I have as I look at you and see the commitment that you've made to walk in the things of Jesus. As I start thinking about the needs in the world and the brokenness and the people dying without Jesus, I have strength and courage because I see the investment that you are making and the intentions that you are setting. My confidence is not in you, sorry. My confidence is in God and in the fact that when he works in you, him in partnership with you, him in partnership with us, allows incredible things to happen as we walk out into the world. So the call is to be strong and courageous. We find courage because we know the promises that he's made and that we will see them come to completion. We get courage when we know his word and we line our life up with it so that we know that he's responding to our righteous prayers. We have confidence that comes that know, from knowing he is present, not just when we gather on a Sunday, but in your darkest, weakest moment, when you feel the most useless and most inadequate and are in the most uncomfortable situation, his presence is with you. And we have confidence knowing that as we invest together, I sat in a jury 
with five strangers listening to evidence about someone's life, trying to decide whether we were going to convict them of a crime or not. My confidence came when I went into the deliberation room and I looked at the five people and I said, so what are you thinking? And unanimously, all five people said, guilty. All of a sudden, all the evidence that I'd been racking up, my conclusion was affirmed by the people together submitted to the law in unity making decisions. That's what it's supposed to be as we function as a church, working together, invested together that brings our courage. So be strong and courageous. There's a board out there, our one initiative that has names on it. Be strong and courageous as you reach out to your person. Be strong and courageous in your prayers and the gifts that you give and the things you invite them to. Be strong and courageous with your generosity as you see people in need around you knowing that when you give generously, God will supply all that you lack. As you look at the unresolved tensions in your life and the relationships that are broken. Be strong and courageous as you walk into those. Knowing that you can forgive, that reconciliation is possible. Perhaps we could say we have three principles. Be strong and courageous in the way that you're true to Christ. Boldly shedding the things that stand in the way of him having the courage to give up or get away from things that draw you away in order to walk a more holy life. Be strong and courageous as you're kind to people, giving generously, forgiving, stepping over boundaries into places that are uncomfortable, and be strong and courageous as you walk boldly with the gospel, going to the ends of the earth, or turning to a neighbor and sharing the word of life, going on a mission trip that you've never been on, or setting a boundary with someone that's difficult. Be strong and courageous as you look at the person next to you and confess your sin and the things in your life that are secret that you've been holding on to. Be strong and courageous. I'm gonna pray. I've got a question that I want us to think about, and here's the question. What courageous faith step is God asking you to take? What's the courageous faith step? Maybe something popped up as I was speaking. Maybe there's something that you know you need to be doing. Maybe there's some intentions you need to decide on. So let me pray for you, and then we'll discuss this, and then we'll finish with some worship. God, uh, thank you. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the gift of your word in a form that we can study. Thank you for the fellowship of your people and the way those things can help us as we live out what you're calling us to live here. God, thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you that people love your word. Thank you that people are hungry for your presence. Thank you that they're committed to doing the work that you've called us to do. But God, just like the people of Israel standing on the east side of the Jordan looking into the promised land, we sit here in the safety of the walls of these church looking out at a city around us that's broken, that needs you. 
God, you tell us to, to pray for workers for the harvest field. Lord, we are the workers that need to be sent out. So as we go, would you give us the boldness, the courage, the gentleness, the sensitivity. As we face the sin issues in our life, would you give us the strength and the courage to stand against them? As we look at the broken systems that we live under, would you give us the strength and the courage to follow you faithfully, even though when the world around us wants to go a different way? So God, bless our church, not for our sake, but so that we're prosperous and successful in the work of Jesus in this part of the world. In whose name we pray, amen. So yeah, turn to some people next year. What does it look like to be strong and courageous in this moment? And then we'll worship.